You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Of where innovation, money, and power collide in Silicon Valley and beyond. This is Bloomberg Technology with Caroline Hyde and Ed Ludlow. I'm Caroline Hyde of Bloomberg's World Headquarters in New York. And I'm Ed Ludlow in San Francisco. This is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up, we'll bring you the latest updates from the Israel-Hamas war as fighting continues for a third day. Everything we know ahead. And we'll speak with technology executives who own and operate businesses in Israel for their view on the ground and what it means for Israel's tech sector. Plus, we'll look at what heightened geopolitical tensions mean for investors as markets face fresh volatility. But first, we will get you the latest updates coming out of the Israel-Hamas war. We want to go to our reporter on the ground, Bloomberg's Galit Alstein. It is wonderful to have some time with you, Galit, and just bring us up to speed with just where you are and how it's all occurring at the moment. What's the latest? Yeah, so, so actually, um, we're seeing uh, some developments um, here today, I would say, uh, basically on three or four um, fronts, um, all slightly different than one another. So on the southern front, where um, the attacks um, have been taking place since Saturday, we are seeing um, the area more contained. Um, quite um, surprisingly, there are still infiltrations um, of um, attackers from Hamas, from the Gaza Strip into the Gaza vicinity inside Israel. But we're seeing a lot less of that. And, and basically, I would say that um, the entire area um, over there is now under control in that sense, in the sense of the infiltrations that we've been seeing um, over the last um, two days. Um, the communities and the settlements um, that are very close to the Gaza fence, about 24 settlements, are being evacuated um, at, at this time of, of the residents. Um, another development we're seeing today um, over the last few hours is on the northern front. Um, it is not major at this time, but it is something um, that is definitely attracting a lot of attention because you know, that one of the big questions now is whether um, Hezbollah, on account of, of Iran, will be joining in, um, you know, with, with the Gaza tensions and what is coming up yes. there. So, yeah, so, 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 so that has been escalating, but, but a little bit. It's, it's, very, it's very contained at this time, and it's nothing major, but, but, but it is happening. Galit, what has been the, the government response? Prime Minister Netanyahu over the weekend had talked with the political opposition about a wartime government, a cross-party wartime government. 
Yeah, so, so that is still definitely uh, on the tables. There have been some talks today between um, a team uh, um, on account of Prime Minister Netanyahu and um, teams that are negotiating on behalf of opposition parties, mainly um, the party led by um, opposition um, um, leader Benny Gantz. Um, uh, so, so, so they're still talking talking about that. We do not know where it's going. Um, it does um, look like there is a fair chance of that happening, um, especially w w with, with the complex situation in Israel that has been very divided over the past um, few months over um, a government proposed judicial overhaul. So uh, now to form a government uh, uh, like that would sort of uh, mean also, you know, in the sense of public opinion that, um, you know, Israel is putting all the differences aside and, and uniting um, in, in the front against the Hamas. So, so that is still on the table, and we're still waiting to see developments on that. All right, Bloomberg's Gallet Olstein, thank you very much. Let's get right to it now with Target Global partner Shmuel Chafetz, who's joining us live from Israel. And Shmuel, I, I want to explain to our audience what they're, they're looking at and what they're about to hear. You are a venture capitalist, normally based in Tel Aviv, but overnight you volunteered uh, to be uh, a reservist uh, by virtue of you being uh, too old to be conscripted, I think I'm right in saying, and you have already been deployed. As best you can, just explain what you're doing. I think, unfortunately, you're muted. Thank you. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Unfortunately, I'm uh, a bit too old to get uh, called up to my uh, usual unit, but I did uh, find myself some uh, something uh, useful to do, and uh, I've been doing it since, uh, since this morning. With, uh, with many, many others. So, Shmuel, you're a venture capitalist that, that invests in Israeli startups. But, but I guess the, the question at this stage is why have you done this? Why have you felt compelled to, to put aside your, your day job and, and, and take on a deployment? I think we're in a war. This is a different situation than anything we've seen for 50, potentially for 75 years. Um, Saturday was the bloodiest day in, in probably in Israeli history, bloodier than any day in the Yom Kippur War and the War of Independence. Hundreds, if not more, of uh, soldiers, but women, children, elderly people were killed in their beds um, in uh, what is undisputedly Israeli territory. And I think uh, as an Israeli, um, it is uh, my duty, it's all of our duty to come and, and protect our, our country. This, I'm doing this for my, uh, for my kids. Because this war will, um, will be a big part of determining the country that they will live in. And this will not be, a, I don't think this is going to be another operation like we've been accustomed to. This is a war. It is a war of different magnitude than what any of us, I think, have seen, in, uh, at least in my, in my memory. Shmuel, this is a story of people, of family, of your children, as you cite. This is a story also of people trying to build economically and indeed a time that you are someone that wants to see a thriving startup community, one which I think you have 24 portfolio companies. It's hard to talk about business in a moment such as this, but how are you thinking about what this does to an economy, to the people who want to build? I think that what we're seeing today in Israel is um, the reason that Israel has been so successful as a startup nation. We're seeing uh, hundreds of thousands of people getting out of their lives, getting into uniform in moments 
and people have been just rushing into uh, into military service. Um, they've actually, uh, most of the phone calls that I'm getting are about people who've been turned away. They're trying to find a spot somewhere to go and fight. Um, and a part of this, this is the uh, social cohesion. This is uh, the uh, spirit of entrepreneurship that makes Israel um, successful as a startup nation is what we're seeing today. I think this is an uh, integral part of Israel, actually. And I think one of the reasons that uh, we will come out of this stronger and better, um, the fact that this is uh, really a civic society that knows how to, how to also fight. And many of our portfolio companies, the CEOs, uh, developers are now fighting in different, uh, in different areas, and uh, I think it's the way it's going to be. But uh, when we get back to work, we'll get back full force. How are you using technology right now to inform yourself, to stay connected? Well, uh, luckily we have a good 5G everywhere. Israel's a small country, so uh, we have the luxury of being in a war zone that has good, uh, good enough coverage to do a, uh, a video call. And on that note, I just remind our audience that, that you're coming to us in, in, in military attire. Uh, you volunteered for a deployment, but you are a venture capitalist. You, know, you talked about some of the phone calls that you're getting, um, be it friends or industry partners. You have Israeli colleagues who are working at Target but deploying capital in Europe, in America. Do you think that any of your friends or partners or indeed portfolio founders will come from overseas abroad back to Israel um, to join you in, in the initiative that you are taking? Yeah, I think many are. Um, we've uh, helped uh, organize some planes for uh, reserve soldiers who want to get back. Um, and, and many people are, are crowding the, airport, the airports trying to get back um, and help. And also we're getting a lot of support from our from Israeli, from our Jewish, but also from our, our non-Jewish friends and colleagues in Europe, in the US, um, in the Middle East. Um, we're offering uh, condolences, support, and, and help. So we're seeing a lot of outpour. I think people do understand that this is a, uh, a very unique situation. Probably uh, Shmuel, once in a generation. Sorry to interrupt you. Caroline summarized it completely right, that it, it's difficult to talk about business and, and operating right now. But, but what happens to your portfolio companies? Can you deploy capital? Is there a need to sort of deploy capital because of uh, the situation in Israel and, and helping those companies continue to operate? Or, or are they able to continue with some normalcy? So I think Israel is very good at continuing to operate normally in abnormal situations. And as far as the portfolio companies are concerned, um, you know, everybody have made arrangements to try to uh, keep the businesses running, to have uh, business continuity. Um, you know, CEOs have been called up, have uh, been uh, signing board resolutions all morning, getting uh, new signatories instead of CEOs that have uh, joined. Um, and I think we have uh, definitely some people who are not going to join up um, and will continue to work and our colleagues abroad will continue to work. So I think um, we will be able to operate close to normal, as close to normal as possible, even during the war. It's one of the things that happens in Israel because we are unfortunately used to this. It happens not in this magnitude, but it's happened before. Our companies have plans for it and they'll continue to operate. Business continuity, something unfortunately that you've had to understand and prepare for. And to that note, we had, of course, Galit Alstein on Alstein just a moment ago talking about the divisions in internal politics of late within Israel, how much has that affected business? How much has that affected the flow of money coming into Israel of late, if at all? 
I think that uh, it has um, affected, of course, affected the Israeli economy. Um, but I think it's absolutely not the time to uh, to deal with it. Right now is the time for national unity. Now is the time for to put our divide behind us and uh, just to go to the fight. Shmuel, uh, for, for, from a unity standpoint, that there are many global technology companies. Intel, for example, has 12,000 people in Israel. They've made commitments to expand their fab, uh, wafer fab manufacturing footprint there. But, but do you worry about the sort of long-term attitude that global tech players, who do have a really heavy footprint in your country, now, now take how they view Israel? First of all, I hope, uh, I hope they view their commitment as long-term. And I hope they'll understand that Israel still has a lot of unique uh, talent to offer, uh, unique capabilities in the tech space. And I'm, I'm sure that once, uh, once this ends, and it may take some time, but it will end and we will, uh, we will uh, win, um, they'll be back full force operating here, um, as they have for, for many years. I mean, Intel's been here through, uh, through a lot, and they've uh, still thought it was worthwhile to continue to invest. And I'm sure they will uh, continue to do so in the future. Ashwell, you have, of course, just been talking about the ecosystem, what makes entrepreneurial spirit different in Israel. Do you worry about talent, the flow of talent? Do you ever concern yourself that people aren't like you, that they don't return to deploy money to make their headquarters within an Israel-based business? I want to tell you that I think um, when we spoke last, I think we talked a little bit about the... Uh, political issues in Israel, and I think there was a flow of talent out of Israel, but I think after this there'll be a flow of talent back. Because I think in the end, Israelis feel committed to this country. And when it is in trouble, they return. And I think so um, I think there'll be a flow of talent back, not out of this, not out of Israel after this ends. You're referring to the reaction to, to the judicial reforms and the debate that that caused in the country. Just very quickly, before we let you go, will you continue doing deals, Target Global? Will you continue with rounds that you had in the works prior to the weekend's attack? We'll continue. We have a big international team, and our team will continue to work as, uh, as normal. So we have a great team and a strong partnership. They'll continue to work, and uh, we'll, each do our, uh, we'll each do our bit. But we will continue, uh, and we're going to continue to meet all of our commitments to every Israeli company and continue to support our portfolio throughout. And at the same time, uh, we're going to give resources to support people who, uh, who need our help. Yeah. And there are a lot of... Shmuel Chafetz, uh, Shmuel Chafetz of Target Global. We're very grateful for your time. You know, to our audience, you're joining us uh, on deployment. You volunteered as a reservist, but your, your day job is as a VC. And we thank you for bringing us that, that venture capital perspective uh, on literally on the ground. Thank you very much. Uh, Caroline. Thank you for having me. That across the macro and the micro, there's so much still to discuss, particularly on the market impact. We have Tom Slater, who's head of U.S. equities at Bailey Gifford, joining us next on the program. This is Bloomberg Technology. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. 
Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. It is a day of geopolitical tension. It's a, a day of volatility that's heightened in the markets and the impact that that has on well, tech globally and indeed appetite for risk. But we're going to move into how the implications are testing investor appetite right now with one key investor, Tom Slater, who's head of U.S. equities over at Bailey Gifford. And Tom, we want to go broad with you and the holdings that you have and the tactics that you deploy with Bailey Gifford. But on a moment where we do see war, of course, between Israel as mo at the moment and Hamas. How are you thinking about that implicating some of the companies with which do business in the area, or whether or not it does change your sentiment on technology writ large? Well, I think it's obviously a dreadful situation, but actually understanding what the long-term implications of what's happening will be uh, is just going to take time. And so the starting point, from my perspective, is that you you just take your take your time and ask the question what's really going on here um and and actually reacting trying to think you know better than the market in the short run is not the right way to 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 generate returns for your clients tom a question posed on bloomberg television throughout the day has been defense stocks or defense technology stocks and how much I guess of a knee-jerk reaction it would be to, to think about that as a sector. What is your attitude towards defence? Well, I think we, we own no defence stocks as the, as the starting point. Um, but I, I think you can you know, see that there, there is clear pressure for um, NATO countries to, to increase their, their spending on this area. Um, you know, that there, there have clearly been shortages in, in, in a number of areas that is going to require a structurally higher level of spend. Um, so there is an interesting argument there, but I think, you know, as you in the way you asked the question about technology, I think one of the things that that we've learned um, in 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 Ukraine over over the past eighteen months is that actually things have moved on a lot. Whether it, you know, at drones as 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 an example of that, um, in the way that wars are being fought. So actually, you know, as in most other areas, thinking carefully about how technology. Um, can have transformational impacts is, is just as important in defense as it is um, elsewhere. It's not about sort of taking that top-down top view and making an allocation. 
Tom, talking of allocation, we're looking at some of the key holdings that you have, of course, the trade desk, Shopify, NVIDIA, Amazon. I mean, NVIDIA, of course, an extraordinary sh rocket ship to have been aligning yourself with of late when that comes to elements of AI, but also geopolitically encircled when we think about its exposure to China. How do you discern which companies are the ones which you want to be seeing, emboldening, and indeed allocating money towards? Well, I think if you, if you stick with that um, example of NVIDIA, um, we bought the, the stock in 2016, and we've been holders of it continuously since. And there, the, the investment thesis is around the application of their technology. Um, and, and if you go back to 2016, yes, there was this opportunity in AI, but it's also in, in the data center, in, in self-driving vehicles, in, in AR, VR. So a technology which has really broad application. And then where you find a, a company that addresses such a big opportunity, the question is really how do you hold on to it? Um, because yes, you take this as, as, as an example of one we've, we've done well in in that, in that intervening seven years. It's actually been a really quite difficult stock to hold on to. Um, I think the peak to trough decline from 21 to 22 was 66%. So how do you endure losing two thirds of your money um, through that period of ownership? Um, and that is, is really about hold discipline. You know, the market likes to talk about sell discipline. Why do you, why do you sell a stock? That always um, seems back to front to me. I think the discipline is in being able to own it through those difficult periods where your investment thesis, where your assessment of the upside is unchanged. And so that's, I think, the crucial characteristic of the way that we invest on, on behalf of our clients. Uh, Tom and Caroline, a piece of news overnight, by the way. NVIDIA cancelled its AI summit which had been scheduled for October 15th and 16th in Tel Aviv. And Jensen Huang was due to give a keynote. So just uh, sort of updating our audience on that. Makes me think about supply chain. Let's go back to Israel, Tom. You know, Intel had talked about expanding wafer fab operations there. There's talent there on autonomy. Mobilize, its biggest company by market cap, the US listed. Is there a supply chain story here? Well, I think that the, the, the big supply chain story in, in semiconductors has really been driven domestically in, in the US um, with, with the Inflation Reduction Act. And what, what I observe is a huge amount of investment now going in into this crucial and particularly sensitive area um, to, to, to drive a much more um, um, local supply chain. And I think that's it's much more complex than just adding capacity um, because there's, there's all the training and upskilling um, that, that you need to do to, in, in, because of that. But, but I think this is, you know, what the, the, the events of the past few days are just a, a, another example of why that is so important um, strategically for the US. And then it's thinking through, well, you know, who, are the, who are the beneficiaries there? Who are the ones that can actually enable that policy? Um, because when, when, when there is so much investment going in, it's, it's, it's always interesting to yeah. follow the money. Where, where are the opportunities being created? And I, I think domestically in America, that's, that's one that's really yes. interesting. Uh, Tom Slater, Abeli Gifford, we follow the money here on Bloomberg Technology as well. Thank you for your time. Amid the start of the Israel-Hamas war, a historic meeting occurred actually in China between President Xi Jinping and a bipartisan group of U.S. lawmakers led by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Let's get more context. Kaylee Lyons standing by in Washington and Israel was discussed. 
It was. Uh, Chuck Schumer, the senator, Democratic majority leader, pushed China to strengthen their language around uh, what Hamas had done in Israel. He said he pointedly asked them to do so, and they did indeed strengthen their segment, but, uh, statement. But that isn't all that this visit was about. It also was really about economics. Chuck Schumer in this meeting with Xi Jinping, the first time Xi Jinping has met with U.S. senators since 2015, mind you, said that this really was insu about ensuring economic reciprocity. And he said that he, they feel China must provide a level playing field for American companies and workers, echoing what we've heard from the likes of Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. All right, remember, it's Kaylee Lyons out of D.C. Thank you. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York. And I'm Ed Ludlow in San Francisco. And let's just get up to speed with some of those headlines. Ed, the Israel-Hamas war, we want to bring in our Bloomberg national security reporter, Nick Wadhams. Many shocked by the surprise with which this took Israel and, and the nation and the world. But Nick, what is the latest headlines that are capturing your attention? Well, the big ones really are, so obviously you have Israel uh, going on the offensive in Gaza, uh, calling up 300,000 troops. I mean, we are looking at a full mobilization uh, by Israel to uh, neutralize the threat uh, coming from Gaza amid new missile strikes and uh, continued violence. But, you know, there are already bigger questions being asked, chiefly among them, how did Israel not see this coming? I mean, when you have 5,000 missiles or so being shot, into Israel. Where were the intelligence services in terms of seeing these missiles being put into place? How did they not detect the incursion uh, that went and, and there was that big massacre uh, and then the, all the hostage taking? And then you're starting to see the issue of, okay, now uh, Hamas has these hostages, so what happens next in terms of negotiations to try to secure their release? So we are very much still in the early days of this thing trying to see where it will head, but ob obviously some of the big questions are already being asked on uh, how it happened in the first place. And we're going to have a former Deputy National Security Advisor of Israel joining us a little later in the show, Nick, but I'm interested in the broader ramifications, the other proxy wars that potentially are sparked. I don't want to in any way theorize that that's what's occurring, but what are you thinking about what this ripple effect is? 
Well, the big question, obviously, is Iran. Uh, there's a lot of talk that Iran gave the green light to this operation, but there are bigger questions being asked, too, about the extent of their involvement, how detailed uh, their involvement was. And then, you know, the, the broader issue of uh, normalization. The U.S. has been pushing uh, the interests of normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Uh, what's the future of that conversation? We are hearing that uh, players in the region, such as UAE, Bahrain and others are determined to press ahead with the Abraham Accords that were signed under former President Trump, uh, and there has been some momentum, but, you know, one source telling me, you know, it's going to be messy, uh, but we are determined to see that go ahead. So there is the question then of what is the backlash against Hamas, if you if this is going to bring uh, folks together in the region and say, okay, we want to continue with this, or is it going to cause that to splinter? And right now, at least, it looks like there is some momentum to try to keep those conversations on track, but obviously, again, very early days. Nick, a technology story is the defense system that, that Israel deploys, which is Iron Dome. And I think I'm right in saying that Israel has made a request of the United States to help resupply them with munitions for Iron Dome. What, what is the latest there? Well, we know that... Uh Congress was briefed uh, by the administration on this, uh, and there is obviously broad bipartisan support to make sure that Israel gets all of the munitions that it needs uh, to keep Iron Dome resupplied. Uh, but, you know, there are other uh, needs that Israel has, such as uh, artillery munitions and precision-guided uh, weaponry. So the question then there is, well, what does this mean for the Ukraine war? Uh, there's a lot of talk that stocks were running low for Ukraine, and allies were scrambling to come up with supplies uh, to keep uh, the Ukrainian army uh, with the munitions that it needs. So uh, there's not, it's not really a question of funding, but there is going to be a question of supplies. And obviously, the administration's focus in the immediate term is on Israel. Uh, and everybody's trying to sort out, OK, well, what does that mean for Ukraine, especially in the long run? So, uh, you know, we're going to be uh, pressing away at trying to figure out those questions. But certainly a tension there between the needs from both Israel and Ukraine. Uh, Bloomberg's Nick Waddams all across the national security story around this. Thank you very much. Let's go back to technology and what is happening on the ground in Israel. Joining us now is Papaya Global CEO, one of the founders, Einat Guez. And, and, and Einat, uh, just in, in the first instance, you run one of Israel's most valuable startups. You have a big footprint in the country. What is it that you're doing right now? Are your people safe? And how have you responded to the events of the weekend? Yeah, f thanks a lot for having me um, here in Israel. I mean, honestly, since Saturday, which was a holiday for us as well, we are all full-time serving the country first and assuring that we can support everything the country needs in terms of the efforts. The, uh, it's important to understand that this is not a regular situation as we sometimes face in Israel. We are facing terror currently. It's our own 9-11. We are eventually facing our own ISIS, uh, a war against the Hamas. Everything that we are doing on the tech sector, on quite on the civilization kind of stage, is helping people that lost their houses, helping people that eventually have family members, kids that has been taken hostages, 
helping uh, soldiers to get to their base, helping everything that we can, raising funds, helping logistics. I mean, the, the, the civil efforts currently in the country are enormous, are amazing. And this is mainly what we're doing. This is our day job, unfortunately, since, uh, since yesterday. And this will probably remain our day job until things go back to track. Einat, we had a venture capitalist from Target Global joining the top of the show saying, unfortunately, you know, Israelis often are able to be prepared for these sorts of situations. You say that this is an unprecedented moment for you, but having been founding your business back in 2016, I understand you've got 700 workers globally, but how many of them are based in Israel? And, and what sort of business continuity preparedness do you have when you are building businesses within Israel? So first, we have about 1,000 employees in Papaya. About 300 of them are currently based in Israel. I would say that about uh, currently 50 or 60 of them have been uh, called to military service, and quite a lot of them have family members, uh, kids, or spouses that has been called to military service. Obviously, I mean, as any other company in Israel, we always have contingency plan. I think that the, the state of every Israeli founder is to assure that we always have plans for the following day we always know how to operate and honestly I mean we get an am amazing support currently from our workers around the globe from our clients around the globe um, in order to assure that uh, the business operation is going as normal uh, unfortunately you know especially in Papaya we have also team in Ukraine so we've been uh, in a way kind of trained to take over their responsibilities about uh, a year and a half ago now they are the one feeling the needs uh, for us and eventually kind of taking responsibilities from us. Um, people in Israel are highly motivated, highly engaged. I see people answering their emails during the day, during the night. Uh, but honestly, I mean, our hearts currently and our mind is first taking care of the country, taking care of the people around us. Israel is a small country, is a small population. I have to say that I don't think that the death and the horror will pass any single any single family in this country these days, and this is a heartbreaking, honestly, days, horrible days for Israel. Uh, Aina, I'm I, I'm sure the, the audience share that with you. One of one of the reasons we asked you to come onto the program is that prior to the the, the events of the weekend. You have been vocal about the judicial reforms in, in Israel and asking questions about the, what it meant for the technology sector long term. I believe you took some action moving uh, company assets out of Israel in response to the judicial reforms. My, my question is, what will you do next for the operations of your business based on the weekend's events? Do you, do you intend to remain in Israel going forward? Yes, Israel is our home, Israel is our country. As we did in the last year, we always said that eventually we want to keep Israel a democratic country in order to assure that we can actually grow our business here, not to take it out of Israel. We are very proud to be Israelis. We want to, to build Israeli com companies. Obviously, we always build global companies because Israel is such a small market anyhow, and we always have global footprints. But nothing will change in terms of our operation in Israel. We are here currently to do a very big effort to fight for the freedom of this country, to bring things to normal, to obviously live the day after, after those horror kind of events and, and, and news and, and tons of death and people that have been lost in, in the last few days. 
but it does not affect us from being Israeli eventually kind of uh, a business and a company. And moreover, I do hope that the day after the, this terror will go back and people will understand that the most important thing in Israel is for us to be united, is for us to, to remain a democratic country and to stop the internal conflict that has been tearing this country for so many months internally. And, uh, and it's time to just eventually put them aside and go back to normal. I mean, we are one nation, and I think everybody understands that we need to be united. Thank you so much for sharing your story, for really making the human side marry with what it is your long-term vision of building within Israel. Papaya Global CEO, we thank you. Enet Goez, stay safe. Ed. A lot more has come here on Bloomberg Technology. We'll have more headlines from the sector, a big interview as well, coming up. This is Bloomberg Technology. Another Amazon Prime Day, Big Deals Day it's called, and the tech giant is planning to bring customers the right deals and faster. And that's no easy task. We took a look at just how they're doing that. This Prime Day is getting more personal, so expect to see more deals based on your shopping history. Amazon says these kind of personalized deals led to four times more customer engagement during the last Prime Day. So for this sale, Amazon is doubling down with the help of larger, more advanced AI algorithms, learning what customers are shopping for and predicting what they'll want next. Amazon is also trying to get your purchases to you faster. We visited a same-day delivery site in Richmond, California, about 30 minutes east of San Francisco, to see how. Sites like these are smaller than Amazon's fulfillment centers and located closer to larger metro areas. This facility can pick an item and get it boxed up in about 11 minutes, about an hour faster than a traditional fulfillment center. That's thanks to the help of these yellow pods and blue switches. They run on items that are stored and cataloged electronically making it easy for employees to find the item and pick it. That package gets sent on a conveyor belt to a delivery sorting area of the site. In a regular fulfillment center, that's an entirely different building. Here, it's just a few steps away, so you can get the deal the same day you order it. The most popular items delivered for same-day sites are everyday essentials like batteries, AirPods, and Nespresso coffee pods. Amazon plans to build more of these smaller same-day facilities in the next few years to speed up delivery times. That was the behind the scenes. I think we got some good insight into producer Pyle Zaviri's wish list for water bottles and thermos flasks. Let's get right to what's happening on the ground and bring in Jamil Ghani, Vice President of Amazon Prime. You, Andy Jassy, other executives have been talking a lot about regionalizing, regionalizing fulfillment. Basically the idea that the package that lands on your doorstep has come from closer, traveled less. Mm -hmm. Is it working, that strategy? Yeah, absolutely. We've been very excited to see that it gets the right product to the right customer faster than ever before, and that package is traveling uh, less distance. Um, so we're able to uh, reduce that time from click to deliver, uh, which our customers love. What sort of Herculean effort does that take, Jamil? I'm sorry? What sort of effort, what sort of investment, what sort of focus has that taken to just whittle down that time frame with which you can get your package to you? Yeah, what we've done is um, make sure we have the right inventory in the right uh, buildings uh, all around the country. Um, we then make sure our site highlights that selection that customers can get. 
Um, we use uh, recommendations and personalization, including what we're going to be doing uh, on the 10th and 11th with Prime Big Deal Days uh, to make sure that that product is highlighted to customers. And then the processes in the fulfillment centers have been simplified. It's fewer over the, the road miles, and so that's what's really the difference of getting your package the same day. And how much is that? the focus of a consumer. It's interesting that we're talking about rising competition, whether it's coming from Timu, whether it's coming from China more broadly, but some of those packages take time. Is that the sort of winning formula to ensure that these new entrants don't take too much away from you in terms of market share? You know, I think it's a good question, but our focus is really on customer needs. Uh, Prime started with a very simple promise, you know, a million items available in two days, uh, no limits guaranteed, and that those expectations have only increased over time. I've got two young kids at home, and I know when we find that we're out of something, we need something, or we need to shop for that birthday happening tomorrow, um, you just want to get from, you know, need to solution as quickly as possible. So that's what's really driving us, and, and the same-day facilities are taking that to the next level. You know, customer needs, there is a question of whether one really does ever need something. And mm -hmm. this is really an, an AI machine learning story. Because mm -hmm. I, I assume the data is based on the user, right? Their habits, their spend, their history. That's right. So how does personalization result in them actually buying stuff that they haven't already bought before in the past? Yeah, the way we think about it is we want to combine your purchase history your browsing history, and then other engagement you have on the site, like uh, engagement with lists. All of that information comes together. Um, we add shopping trends, you know, what's really relevant in the season. We're going into the holidays now, so Prime Big Deal Days is pulling all that information together and highlighting that selection. It's going to certainly highlight things that we know customers are going to like based on their past behavior, but we also intelligently want to surface up those things that they might discover, they might like, and might be inspired by. It's a combination of needs and wants, which I think makes for a great shopping experience, and that's what the event uh, starting tomorrow is going to be all about. All things considered, the macro environment, the time of year, because timing with, with prime windows has changed, mm -hmm. how big will this one be? Can you say with any confidence this will be the biggest? I can't. I can't ever predict how it will go, but I know that everyone is looking forward to... It's just you, to Caroline, and I. You I know, can, I know. No one else is checking in. Uh, I, I think that we've got fantastic deals, and it will be the most personalized experience we've ever had. Uh, two, two or three years ago, we had one personalized deal feed. Uh, tomorrow, our customers will enjoy 40 different personalized deal feeds. The homepage will be curated. Your homepage will be different than my homepage. We'll also be recommending top brands that you might like, four plus star deal events that you might like. And so I think what you're going to find is that Prime Day felt really curated. This is going to feel even more so um, uh, in the event starting tomorrow. Jamil Dhani, thanks for the time. Vice President of Amazon Prime, we thank you. We return to our coverage of the Israel-Hamas war. Professor Chuck Freilich is a former deputy national security advisor in Israel and wrote the book Israel and the Cyber Threat, How the Startup Nation Became a Global Cyber Power. And we are being asked time and time again, Professor, how Israel missed this. Was it a tech story? No, I don't think this was a tech story. I think this was a classic case of a colossal intelligence failure. It. Um, starts from like all major intelligence, intelligence failures from a failure of imagination. You don't believe that your enemy has the capability to do something. And so you don't see the signs when it's happening. What could have been improved upon from your perspective and indeed what will be being used now to assess the threat level? 
Well, I think that there will be a uh, deep investigation of the reasons for the failure, but most of that will have to remain for after uh, the, the, the war is over. What happened here is uh, just something unprecedented in Israel's history where Israeli territory was Israel itself, it's not the West Bank settlement, Israel itself was occupied for a while, a while, uh, a brief while, and people taken hostage. This cannot be allowed to happen, and we'll have to take measures to make sure it doesn't. It's going to be a protracted and unfortunately bloody war in Gaza, but it's one that Israel has to end this time, I think, with a resounding victory. It can't be just a basis for some more time until the next round. Our time is too short with you, but... If you put, go back to your time as Deputy National Security Advisor, your advice right now to the leadership? That there has to be an absolutely conclusive victory this time, and that's probably going to mean occupying most of Gaza for a while, not long term. Israel doesn't want to be in charge of Gaza again. And it's going to mean trying to topple Hamas. And that also then begs the question, well, who takes over if Hamas isn't there? And that means hopefully, uh, maybe with international help, American help, Saudi involvement, maybe we can see the, the Palestinian Authority reinstated in Gaza. Professor, thank you so much for your time, your expertise. Professor Chuck Freilich, wish we had more time. We thank you for joining us. From New York and San Francisco, this is Bloomberg Technology. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.